Welcome to This Just In, the show bringing you the latest advancements in healthcare, strategy, innovation, and public policy. And now, for the fastest voice in healthcare, here's your host, Justin Barnes. Thank you for tuning in and welcome to This Just In. I'm your host, Justin Barnes. In these segments, I'll bring the latest advancements in healthcare, strategy, innovation, and public policy. As always, we're broadcasting from the This Justin Studios on the Business Radio X Network, as well as the Healthcare Now Radio Network. For this episode, my 255th episode, we have a very special guest, Dr. Brad Youngren, Chief Medical Officer and President of Care Innovation at 98.6. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you for having me. That's great. And we met back at the health conference in Vegas um, and had just a great, uh, great discussion. So I'm glad we could make time and, and bring you on air. So thank you. So you're newer to the show. Uh, so, um, you know, tell us a bit about your background. Um, where did you grow up, attend college, all that good stuff? I grew up in Southern California, went to undergraduate in Los Angeles, decided to go to medical school and um, checked the box for the military medical school and got in. And then away I went to officer basic training that summer and then uh, off to medical school. So that... But most of my life up to that point was in Southern California, and I've actually never been back since undergraduate. Okay. And um, so which college did you go to? I went to UCLA. I actually studied Latin American governments with a pre-med co-emphasis <laughs> and, awesome. uh, and went to medical school. That's terrific. Yeah. Actually, I run, ironically, I run UCLA every, probably every six to eight weeks. I thought that our, one of my companies are out there, so I'm out there pretty frequently. And I always stay at the W West Beverly Hills and uh, run UCLA. So it's, that's awesome. That's a beautiful campus. Beautiful it, campus. Is. it is. Um, and uh, so I guess, where did your passion for, you know, what brought you into healthcare and where did your passion come from for the industry? I mean, I think I had grown up with the idea of going into surgery, orthopedic surgery had been sort of on my mind as a child, believe it or not. Um, and then I really was getting into through some of the work I was doing with Latin American studies, um, got into the notion of global health and humanitarian medicine. And that's actually one of the reasons I ended up deciding to to go the route of military education is they had a lot of experience with humanitarian medicine and uh, work of that nature. So I was really inspired with that, uh, the notion of uh, what the military was doing. This is all, of course, pre-9-11. So it was uh, responding to hurricanes and things of that nature and setting up medical support for those uh, endeavors. So uh, I went in that, I, I sort of opened my mind up to other options, but I I really ended up uh, heading down that route. Emergency medicine was the typical route in the military. You would go to access those kinds of activities. And so I finished uh, undergraduate in DC, then came out to the Seattle metropolitan area, Fort Lewis McCord to do my emergency medicine residency. That's terrific. And again, uh, you know, I, I know we met, um, you know, at health and off air, but, um, you know, thank you for your service. I think that was the uh, when we'd met for the first time. I served for six years, and that was the best uh, single decision ever made for myself was to join the army. I was in the infantry, but um, you know, thank you for your service, my friend. Thanks, likewise for you as well. It was certainly one of the greatest honors to take care of soldiers uh, for fourteen years. Amen. It's fantastic. Um, so, I guess uh, tell us about ninety eight point six, and you know what you guys are up to and accomplishing all the good stuff. Yeah. So. Really, from those years in the military, I got uh, involved uh, in looking at tech transfer onto the battlefield, and that sort of led me to get involved with startups in the Seattle area um, and led me down the road to ultimately being with my fourth company, which has been 98.6. Uh, 
Um, I've been chief medical officer six years, president for over a year. Um, th- I was really excited to come to 98.6 from Q Health, primarily uh, because I was interested in what it would be like to be in the room of every conversation between doctors and patients. And with those perspectives and understandings, what kinds of technology would we build, not only from the patient experience side, but also from the provider uh, experience side, which is to give what tools should we give them or could we give them to uh, improve quality of care, reduce uh, mundane tasks that lead to physician burnout, those kinds of things. So that was really, really inspired me to join early on at 98.6. And we really endeavored to to drive off of those fundamentals from the beginning. Um, so it's we, we built a text-based platform. Primarily, we have, obviously have audio and uh, video analog systems, but the primary magic comes when you can get people engaging in their healthcare through text because it's quick and it's easy. And we can use tools and technologies to assist in that experience, like I said, both from the patient-facing side as well as the physician-facing side. And so that's really been what we've been focused on. We've initially started working with large self-insured employers, and we moved on to working with health plans. And then in September of last year, we sort of announced our work directly with regional or health systems in general to really give them digital enablement uh, for their regional markets. sort of our area of expertise is on technology care delivery. And we want to sort of support those health systems and their endeavors to support their patients and their markets. So, yeah, as a follow-up, I'm not familiar with that type of innovation. So, you know, I guess what type of modalities or what type of like devices do you use and how's, how's that workflow integrated into, you know, that, that care strategy today? Yeah, I think we, our goal is to figure out how to increase engagement. The theory was if we can, massively increase engagement in our experience, we can lead to better quality and better outcomes. That was the sort of premise. Um, Why do patients begin most of their healthcare journeys on a search engine? Because it's on demand and it's free. Mm -hmm. So we use those principles of understanding to create a similar app-based experience for people who are seeking actual medical care. So um, patients come in via text initially, although we have audio video, as I said, and sometimes if it's required from a regulatory perspective, the product will drive that forward. But primarily what we want to do is when the patient in their mind wants to seek care, it could be for a simple question, an acute care medicine need or a chronic disease question Mm -hmm. that they can get the care in that moment, 24, seven, 365 in 51 jurisdictions across the country. Doesn't matter that they can get that care in that moment. Similar to if they went to a search engine to try and find an answer in the moment. And so that, and then so then what we decided to build was AI systems we call the automated assistant, which essentially creates information gathering at the be, at the behest of the clinician. So uh, we built a very massive machine learning approach to collecting information, and that was sort of one of our early investments in an effort to make sure we were collecting as much information to reduce the number of questions that the doctor and patient need to ask each other, and to make sure that those the information we acquire is quality and, and informative. Um, since then, obviously, once you get into primary care, there's many other aspects of it, chronic disease, devices that need to be connected, care coordination, subspecialty referrals. You can't do one without the others, Mm -hmm. really. Uh, uh, So we ended up sort of looking at building a variety of technologies and human support staff to really create a broad-based primary care function in in the virtual space. Our, Our patients primarily come to us via mobile. So it's in their pocket all the time um, and they engage us. And really the second they come into the app, it just asks what brings you in here. It's mm-hmm. very open-ended. It's not prescriptive. Mm-hmm. It's 
like an expert system or a rules-based system that makes you answer yes or no. We really invested in creating a system that's very much similar to how you as a patient talk to your physician in a brick and mortar experience. Because without that, you're never going to achieve the authenticity we all want. It's awesome. Oh, I get it. No, that's, that's fantastic. As a practicing provider still, what do you see as the most important innovation when it comes to patient experience today? I think the, the opportunities with mobile are really um, exciting to observe, mm-hmm. not even the ones that we are leveraging internally, but just to see the innovation that's coming in the market. Um, my first company was the first FDA approved mobile phone ultrasound device in country or first FDA approved mobile phone device in general. And it was just very early, you know, leveraging uh, Windows phone to, to image. We've come so far with mobile. Uh, obviously, our experience is through mobile, but you start to see how devices connect through mobile, digital otoscopes connecting through a mobile phone, giving you access to imagery of a child's tympanic membrane or eardrum. Uh, we see a number of companies coming to the market that are using a variety of techniques to try and get vital signs off of the camera of a mobile phone. Mm-hmm. So, you know, temperature, I'm sure you've seen these. And as that is the quality of that information improves, it's going to really enhance what kind of data we can get virtually through that mobile experience. So you don't need another device. The more of the stuff that's actually inherently built into the phone, the better off we're going to be for increasing engagement. Absolutely. Yeah, I actually completely agree. I love it. I have a couple of my investments in my life. I mean, over the action, all of them at this point in healthcare encompass uh, some type of mobility um, and in uh, mobile phones and in mobile strategy and, and obviously care coordination. So yeah, I think you're spot on. Um, so I focus a lot of my show, and I think you know this now, is on best practices and major themes and strategies and navigating those major themes in, in healthcare. Because if people take the time to listen to my show, I want them to understand, you know, A, make them smarter, A, understand, you know, B, you know, understand how healthcare, how and where and why healthcare is evolving and maybe get ahead of the, uh, ahead of the curve, you know, and, and Wayne Gretzky would always say, you don't skate to the puck is you puck the with skate, you're going to skate to where the puck is going to be. So you know, in that uh, in that regard, what do you see as some of the major themes or trends this year in healthcare or digital health? Well, I think it, at the at the high level, all the work we're seeing among some of the large players, uh, meaning what the evolution of Amazon's approach, Walmart's, Walgreens, CVS as examples. How, I think that their investments and their acquisitions and their strategy changes have really caught the eye of traditional healthcare systems Mm -hmm. who are, I think for the first time realizing that these sort of, you know, technology juggernauts um, are really in a position to potentially disintermediate their traditional classic relationships these health systems have had with their patients. Um, And so that, I think that's causing a lot of conversation across the industry about what does that mean? Because patients are mostly just want the best experience, right? They're going to go where that experience lies, where they believe the best opportunity is for them. Um, I think most patients still have an affiliation or belief that they have an affiliation with a health system in their market, but you know that doesn't mean that that couldn't change in the years to come. So I feel like that's a pretty big trend, which is those, those large organizations trending towards taking space in primary care and then seeing health systems start to respond to that uh, try, by trying to provide digital experiences of their own that can compete in their markets. And I think the other main area is probably this notion of hybridized care models, like where where the virtual and brick and mortar world connect, right? Like whether it's last mile, connection to urgent care, connection to ambulatory care, there's always use cases that require 
um, patients to go in to see humans in brick and mortar experiences and understanding what kind of digital experiences enhance those hybridized care models, I think is going to be a really hot topic this year. Love it. No, I totally agree. And even, I mean, so timely to to this conversation, reading the Wall Street Journal yesterday morning, and, and I don't want to name the vendor because I don't like to talk about specific companies on the show, but one of the major ones that you mentioned launched a um, $5, basically all you can consume uh, monthly fee for most of your generic medications. So, I mean, that's a no brainer for, for millions of Americans <laughs> and no reason why you can't take your meds if it's five bucks a month. I think it's, and basically the way I read it, and I actually signed up for part of it, but um, it uh, you actually can get all your meds for $5 a month, all your generics, as long as, you know, I think there's 240 or something they, they put out there, but um, pretty impressive. That's going to be disruptive to CVS, to Walgreens, to Publix, to, you know, Kroger's, to all these farm chains that are all in inside of the, you know, that, that type of world, that's a pretty good price. So, yeah, it's amazing. I, I remember last year when I transitioned to home delivery for my, for my medications, yep. it was seamless. It took three minutes and I never had to drive to a pharmacy again to pick up my prescriptions. I mean, I was like blown away by the experience and how quick the transition was and how immediately I, I was like, why would I ever go back Exactly. when I, when I can achieve those meds at home in such a short period of time with such a great experience. So just so many examples of how this innovation is impacting how we as patients look at, you know, how do we want to use our time as patients? Absolutely. So for those just tuning in, we're speaking with Dr. Brad Youngren, Chief Medical Officer and President of Care Innovation at 98.6. So, um, in that same direction, uh, so how are you? How do you recommend my audience, or how are you addressing those specific trends that you talked about? Yeah, I think we're we're working very closely with a, a number of of health systems to understand what it is that they need to essentially effectively compete in their markets, providing them a lot of our expertise around digital enablement. Um, and I think that, and that's been a big focus of, of mine personally within the organization for the last year, year and a half. Um, and I think that's, I think that is really a, a great example of what what health systems are interested in, sort of striving towards, which is no longer is it just well we have a video system that can do some telemedicine visits. I mean, that that problem was essentially solved with COVID. Every health system has probably some architecture for classic video visits. The question is, what is the digital overall experience that those patients have, whether it's a health system or one of the new players for that matter, or a startup really, and how, how do those experiences connect? We're really focused on that. Again, we know that from our experience the last seven years that if you have the engagement of the patient, you just don't want to lose it. You want to give them a good experience all the way through. You know, and I remember early on when I was querying patients in, in the early days before we did really even started 2015. And um, the patient was like, you know, I go to the health system and I give my date of birth 16 times before I actually see the provider. <laughs> and I just, that exactly. particular example stuck with me, which is like create something that's innovative. And I mean, that sounds kind of like table stakes, but the reality is like making innovations that make, that allow the patient to only answer a question once through the entire journey. Amen. Makes good sense. <laughs> Absolutely. So in following the, the, um, that track, so what are two or three best practices or strategies that you can share to help everybody navigate those trends or certain people that want to take an, uh, advantage of that? I think that the 
strategies that we're undertaking are, and I, the lenses I look through, any of the experiences that people ask me about, hey, what do you think of this, X, Y, or Z, even if it's not directly related to my work, is tell me what the patient experience is, tell me what the provider experience is. And, the, and really, I would say, you know, quote, operator experience, because it could be a clinician, a non-clinician, a clinical operations person. It's largely irrelevant to me. What I'm looking at is really, um, is the the problem that's being solved addressed from both sides of the equation, because I believe ultimately that the only way to achieve the best patient experience is to ensure that that provider experience is optimized. That when you distill it down, the time that the, let's say the doctor as an example, is spending with the patient is the highest order of use, right? That they are only talking about the most relevant information and all the other stuff is taken care of in some other way. Um, and I think that if, if, you know, Organizations that are focused on patient experience, but not really focused on the provider experience, I think are losing an opportunity to sort of level up what that looks like because that I think it's critical to get buy-in and we'd look at metrics around provider burnout. Yeah. You know, we need to start looking at those experiences as well. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I mean, it's you've got to, you know, consumerism and, and patient engagement is phenomenal, but you've got to have the, you've got to have it integrated into the care strategy and the provider's workflow as well. And it's going to hit a dead end. So, you know, I completely agree with you. Um, so, you know, shifting gears a little bit, you know, but, but kind of on the fun side, what are, what are a few challenges that you, you've experienced, you know, that right now with your customers and how are you tackling them? It's, I, I like to dive in to understand, you know, we're all now, we're all building companies, we're navigating, um, you know, implementations and, and support and, and tackling, you know, large problems and, and solving large problems and tackling large problems with our customers. But what are some of the ones that you're working on today that you can share? I'd say we we started be in primary care in 2016, seeing patients in 2017. About two years ago, we started behavioral health because many of our employer contracts were asking us to start. They liked the work we were doing in primary care and were asking us to see if we could provide solutions in the behavioral space. And I know I'm sure all your listeners understand the the crisis we're in, in, in the context of, you know, access to behavioral health resources. So um, that has been really an interesting journey. Not it, obviously the problems are not exactly the same as we increased trying to increase access um, to therapists. That's been really interesting. And re- lately we've been tackling the notion of how to deliver adolescent care, because as you start to go down to the younger ages, the access gets even worse, at least my experiences. So understanding how to deliver adolescent care, high quality adolescent care to our employer um, partners has been a challenge we've worked on in the last six months because um, it has a whole nother list of legal and regulatory issues you need to understand. And it's many times those could be different in the 51 different jurisdictions you're operating, right? And that's and our philosophy has always been you have to bake that into the product. So when we did adult, when we did peds, when we did adult behavioral health, we always tried to bake it in the product because we never wanted the providers to have to remember what the differences were between Washington and Nebraska, as an example. Just it's too much cognitive burden. All right. No, actually, you bring up a great point. I mean, I've had to solve that. <laughs> that you're tackling a really big problem, and if if there's um you know anyone in the line who's not a technologist, trying to navigate, build a platform you know, for, for, you know, all of America, but then with all these unique state laws and state privacy laws. And then when you get under, you know, 18, you get under 16, they're different. 
And so you have to navigate that from a technology standpoint, innovation standpoint, it's extremely difficult. So, and the fact that you are, and I, so I get what you guys are, you're walking through and you know what you're tackling. And then also, you know, behavioral health, that is a significant issue today. It's growing worse every day. Obviously the COVID exacerbated the significant issues that we already had. Um, and now in the fact that, and certainly with youth, so never not, you know, adolescents and, and um, adults, but um, now we have, you know, children with significant mental health issues. And, and you know, we're, I read about that almost every day. There's something within, you know, at least a couple of times a week in either the Wall Street Journal or, or a couple of other magazines that I read and, and uh, papers that I read that talk about the significant mental health. And obviously you pick up anything to do in healthcare and health IT, mental health is somewhere in there in the first couple of pages. So the fact that you're tackling that is is phenomenal. Thank you for that, for sure. Thanks, appreciate that. So, and, and also, you know, and, and a little bit on the lighter side, we talk about a lot of deep technology and problems that we're solving and best practices, but I also like to talk about some fun stuff. And in, in all your years in healthcare and digital health, you know, what is the most fun or memorable experience that you've had with a customer um, or a patient or a business partner? And again, no HIPAA violations, but I think this is a really fun part of the show that people like to hear about. Yeah, I think when I look back at my journey, it's like I mentioned, I've had four different startups have been, and they all were so different, you know, in terms of what problems we were solving. The first one was really interesting to work through being the first mobile phone medical device in the country. Like it was just a new concept. There was no 510k predicate device to, to point to. Um, and working with our, our customer, quote customers, which were physicians really, you know, it was an interesting experience overall. I think the second company I went to is like a global health company. Um, I went there for about a year or two and we, we know we got to do work in Haiti and, and Africa and just from the perspective of, of, of like what those experiences were like, I mean, just incredibly fulfilling to spend time in Haiti on the ground and try and make an impact with the medical devices we were deploying. Um, I wouldn't say it was just with one patient, but just in terms of memories that, that time just felt golden, you know, we were, that we were making a difference and, uh, in people, people's lives. It, it, and, uh, that really was an exciting time for, for the company, for me personally, very rewarding, especially with my interest in, you know, humanitarian medicine work. It was a, a great sort of fit and resonated really well with me. So I think those are the ones that, that come to mind offhand. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, and even thinking about it, maybe even your customer base now, is there something, um, you know, or even maybe what you're looking forward to even in the last um, six to eight months or, you know, even what you're looking forward to this year is anything coming up that's, you know, you're kind of excited about? I mean, it's it's kind of exciting just to be back a bit into the normal rhythm. So, I don't know how you feel, but I agree. Yeah. I mean, HLTH was the first experience where it took me a little bit of adjustment as an ED doc to sort of 10,000 unmasked people roaming around <laughs> Vegas. But, you know, uh, just like looking ahead at the year at the variety of conferences, seeing new and old friends in person again within the industry. It's so, it's so invigorating. You, you almost forgot a bit about it. We were, we were in this virtual world for so long that I, I'm just really, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the, to some of the experiences and conferences to see people again that I haven't seen for a few years. It just was really such a pleasure at HLTH. So I'm looking forward to that in 2023. Yeah, actually, I'm glad you brought that up because I actually want to take a special second here. Just, you know, all my listeners and, you know, 
getting back out there is critically important. You know, we had a great time at the HLTH, the health conference. Vive is coming up. I actually just had the, the president of Vive last uh, as my last guest. Um, that's coming up in late March. So, you know, I'll be there. But I agree. I, I think I've got, I got Vive coming up. I got HIMS coming up. I'm also got EWC, which is a, a lab conference coming up in the next uh, two months or two and a half months. So yeah, it's going to be a, a flurry of activity and it's great to be back. And, and like you said, you know, walking health and, and walking HIMS um, and, and, and also Vive is going to be just, uh, you know, it was great to see everybody. It's just great to be back. And, and, and again, the energy there, there's so much positivity. There's so many great things happening in our industry. That's been really cool to kind of see all this come to fruition. Um, I got about a minute left or so, and I always love this question. My audience loved this question. Where do you invest your time, town, and treasure and why? I mean, my focus is has been on my family. I've got two two kids and it's definitely where I focus a lot of my time outside of the amount of time, you know, work I put in, in the startup space and as a physician. Um, and I've really been actually trying to focus on dusting off the investment in my friends. Um, I, I didn't realize how much those skills had atrophied a bit um, just from the lack of social interaction in person. So I've been focused on that quite a bit to re sort of recalibrate those skills a bit. Um, definitely has felt a bit rusty, sort of re-entering into that space. And so I think that's uh, good for my own personal health and welfare. And I'm sure many listeners would agree with that. So that seems to be a, sort of where I'm focused both in the professional side, but also on the personal side in 2023 is kind of like getting those rhythms back in order. Yeah. And I think that's actually a very good point again, um, is not forgetting what the pandemic taught a lot of us about, you know, how to focus, you know, focus in a little bit, take care of yourself, focus on your family. Um, you know, we all were traveling a ton and, and, you know, kind of rule the world. And then it's, it's, it's great to be back out there, but we, you know, we should also should learn a lot of positives from COVID and what to bring forward. So actually a uh, phenomenal point there, Dr. Brad, thank you so much um, for joining me today. Dr. Brad Youngren uh, from 98.6. You're a terrific guest. We'll certainly have you back. I love talking best practices, certainly around virtual care and patient care, patient strategy. So um, thank you very much, my friend. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. You got it. And thank you to everyone for joining us today. Uh, as always, you can tune in weekdays at 2.30 p.m. Eastern, 11.30 a.m. Pacific. Uh, you can track me on Twitter at HRT Advisor and use the hashtag ThisJustInRadio to respond to your comments from the show. If you miss any of this episode or want to hear more, you can track, track me on iTunes, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, and tune in. We've also launched a new uh, website at JustinBarnes.com with a lot of great updates, so you can check that out. And again, appreciate everybody's time. Thank you so much and stay safe. Thank you.